This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We have a wonderful, wonderful special guest, one of my all-time favorite people in the whole entire world, and she's got a great new book coming out. You know her from uh, It's Me or the Dog from Animal Planet Days, but she does so much more, the defender of all animals out there, and my good friend, Victoria Stilwell, is going to be on the show. And Victoria has a uh, new book called uh, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy. How to Train and Care for Your New Dog. So I am definitely interested in picking the brains of the expert because I have raised puppies, and believe me, ah, that's a lot of work. So we're going to get some tips from the expert on that. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back and talk to Victoria Stilwell right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is the world-renowned dog trainer, the host of uh, It's Mere the Dog, and uh, a champion of all furry things out there, my good friend Victoria Stilwell. Victoria, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and catch up on things. And the new book, I've got to pick your brain on that. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy, How to Train and Care for Your New Dog. So tell us a little bit about what we should expect out of the book. Well, it is. I mean, it's written because I think raising puppies, this is the most important part of the dog's life. And you have to do it right. And really, it is whether either mess it up right at the beginning or you can start uh, start well and hopefully you can influence your dog's behavior really from its very formative years. So that's the reason why I wrote the book and because there's so much conflicting information out there as well that it's difficult for people to know where to go. So that's kind of, I guess that was the inspiration. Of course, my dog Sadie was the inspiration, was the true inspiration for the book. Absolutely. And Sadie had a great life with you and the family and a great life. I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting Sadie and uh, what a beautiful soul uh, Sadie was. So we're uh, blessed to have her in your life and blessed to, uh, to have an opportunity for me to meet her. Exactly. So then let's talk about puppies. You know, you mentioned Sadie. Uh, Sadie lived a nice, wonderful, long life. And then at some point, not in this case necessarily, but at some point, like with all of us, we have an animal that is uh, a dog in particular that's been with us for a long time. We let a little bit of time go, or maybe not any time at all. Then all of a sudden, we decide, hey, wouldn't it be great to have a puppy that we can raise from the beginning? What do you expect, or or what do you hear from people when they finally get that puppy and they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot how hard this is? Yeah, you know, I do think it doesn't matter how many puppies you raise, it can be exhausting. And especially, you know, the transition is obviously very new for a new pup, and it's also very new for you, and especially if you haven't had a puppy before. So that's why. This is kind of your guide so that if you're up, as I said, in the middle of the night, in the book, they say, if you're up in the middle of the night and you know, your puppy is whining and you 
I'm not getting any sleep, then this guide is here to support you. And I think it is a big shock to the system because you have, now you have a very vulnerable uh, but feisty being in your house. And you're having to kind of go back. If you've had an adult dog in your life, you're having to go back to kind of health training 101 and everything can be chewed and, you know, and you're essentially, you've got this life that you are now raising that, you know, you got to do it right. So I think that's the shock to the system for, for many people. And some people say it's like having a, a human baby. You know, I've had both. So I would say that it's, it's pretty similar because of that responsibility there. Yeah, absolutely. My theory on is uh, if you have a puppy and you don't screw it up too bad, then you may, may, may have an opportunity to raise a kid properly. I don't know if that's a right analogy or not, but that's sort of my theory on it. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. So that's, you know, the book is there for you to help things go right. Well, I know for me, uh, we went 20 years between raising one puppy, having it live a long life, and then we rescued a couple of other dogs that were uh, a little bit more mature, and then we went back to the puppy. And I know just in that 20-year period of time, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of uh, information that's more available out there, nutrition that's available, way to go about raising a puppy. I mean, what would you say some of the things that we're seeing now as far as what you would suggest as far as raising a puppy compared to perhaps what we saw, you know, 10, 20, maybe even just five years ago? You know, this is a really exciting time to be a dog trainer because the last 10 years, especially the study of animal cognition, but especially canine cognition as well as canine behavior, has exploded. And so we are learning so much more about our dogs. And I think that's another reason why writing a book kind of puts all the latest research into something that's easy for people to understand. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that our dogs need our rather like toddlers in their need for safety, their attachment, and their need for kindness and humane training. And yeah, but you know, that's what I'm about. And I've always been about is about teaching in a positive way so that we raise and we have emotionally balanced dogs and dogs that are confident enough to be able to deal with all of the strange things that the human domestic world throws at them. Absolutely. I mean, because even over a lifetime, I just reflect back to, you know, when I had my first puppy compared to the latest puppy, you know, old, outdated thoughts and patterns like, uh, you know, setting the, a newspaper outside with your dog's tinkle on it to teach them how to go potty outside. You know, it's something as antiquated as that compared to what we, we know today on how to relate with the animals and how to be able to uh, to do a thing like important teaching, uh, like going potty outside. Yeah, I think, you know, um, this whole idea of corrections and, you know, we're there as teachers and to guide. We're not there as people that, that are going to scare our dogs into into behaving. I've never understood that whole way of, of training, which is obviously still prevalent, certainly in the United States. I've never really understood it. Whereas I just want to make my puppy feel good about toileting it outside. And if there is an accident inside, what I'll do is that I will go up, clean it up. I'll take the dog. If the dog's in the midst of it, I'll take the dog outside. And there you go. I mean, it's sort of as simple as that with regards to, to training. And then I keep the dog on a schedule. And mm-hmm. if I focus on that rather than I'm going to punish my dog each time my dog has an accident, I'm going to have a confident dog. Why would you, and would you do that with a toddler? Would you physically hurt a toddler 
if a toddler has a toileting accident in the home. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that because it's wrong and everybody would say that's wrong. Why do we think that's okay to do it with dogs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think one of the things that I see quite often is someone will get a new dog, a new puppy in this case, and they expect them immediately or, or in short fashion to understand the whole routine that the present family has in a place. That you know, they should know what door to go to to let you know when they want to go out to go potty. And they should automatically fit to your schedule, which is not the case yes. whatsoever. No, it's not the case. And if we sort of really view it as every dog is unique and every dog is like a little toddler and you have to take the time to be able to toilet train that dog and if the dog has an accident, it's your fault, not the dog's fault. You have to look at what you're doing that meant that the accident was going to happen. And so it's common sense, but I mean, we're still in the struggle really of getting people to, to sort of appreciate that they're, yes, the dogs are dogs, but there's a lot of things that actually make us quite similar. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned schedules, you know, schedules and routines. You know, we like to think as humans that we're, you know, spontaneous and, you know, we can go on a whim. But no, that's not the case. You know, we have to get the right amount of sleep or we're grumpy all day or I'm spontaneous after I've had my two cups of tea, you know, in the morning or I'm spontaneous after I've read my, uh, you know, the news that have come across my uh, device. I almost said newspaper. That was dating myself for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> absolutely dating. <laughs> so, but you know, so we're not so spontaneous. We have routines. So, whether we're working and we have to keep the schedule that way, or we have to get the kids to school, whatever it may be, but we're a creature of routines. And our animals are, uh, especially puppies, uh, have to learn not only our routines, but we have to learn theirs as well. Yeah, and it is about routine. If you just put a schedule up and you you work that schedule, puppies thrive on routine. And to begin with, when you when you're setting that routine, that is something is predictable in a puppy or an adult dog's environment, especially a dog that might have a little anxiety, predictability actually you know, creates sort of confidence because you know you know what's coming. I think the problem happens when the, you don't have the routine, like the pup can't get on a schedule, you're out all day, and the pup doesn't have the outlet to be able to, to go to the toilet, and also there's lack of enrichment, and then you're going to have problems. So it's really up to you to keep a predictable schedule, something that the dog can truly be successful. And it's all that's, that's all it is. It's setting your dog up for success. That's right. That's right. That makes perfect sense. And when we think about puppies, oftentimes we'll think about a family, you know, a, uh, the children are starting to get to the age where maybe they can take on a little bit of responsibility. So let's get a puppy to uh, grow with our children. But when you're talking about bringing a puppy into a household, especially a family unit where there's children and spouses and partners, et cetera, it's a whole family commitment at that point. Yeah, it is. And again, here we go. Here is another, <laughs> another. well, I guess on its meal, the dog on my show, but also just in, in, in regular life that I encounter families where certainly there's going to be one person. There's always one person that is the, the head trainer of the family, as it were. But then you have to make sure that the other family members are helping. And it can't just be all down to one person, but also that the family members are excited that the dog is there and want the dog because that happens a lot too you know somebody gets the puppy and then the other person doesn't want the dog or it's just you know that happens 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I will not, uh, hopefully my in-laws are not listening to this. Hopefully my sister-in-law is not listening to this broadcast, which I'm sure she will be. But, you know, she has a young family, two young daughters. And and uh, over the past year, they adopted a, uh, a Pomeranian. And uh, the oldest daughter loved the Pomeranian, liked one in that particular breed and, and fell in love with this particular puppy. Uh, and then, of course, when you get the puppy home, it's a, a little bit different story. There's the things like the potty training, the scheduling, the the teething, and uh, that goes on the nipping and things that are nat- mouthing, as we say, you know, that goes on. That's naturally part of puppies. And then when you talk about particular breeds, you know, I have terriers, so I know this very well. You know, they tend to be a little bit more yippy at times if you don't set the stage and, and set the uh, expectations in a very kind, positive manner. If you don't set that in place to begin with, then uh, you're going to run some problems down the road. Yeah, and and that's again, that's why I wrote the book so to mitigate those problems, so that you make sure that it is a really it's a whole family decision when you're getting a puppy that it is a family decision that everybody's on board with. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break, and we'll come back uh, after the break talk a little bit more with my good friend Victoria Stillwell about her uh, latest book, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy. And I want to pick a couple little tidbits here, little little things that uh, you're going to experience if you have a puppy and uh, get Victoria's viewpoint on that as well. So everybody, hang tight. We'll come back right after this break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continuing our chat with uh, Victoria Stillwell, her latest book, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy, How to Train and Care for Your New Dog. So now, Victoria, let's steal a couple of tidbits without giving the whole book away. But I know we talked briefly uh, earlier about toilet training, these type of things. But let's talk a, a little bit more in detail because that's probably the biggest, I'd say, toilet training is one of the biggest, if not the biggest things that we're going to encounter. What is the best thing that you can do to get your uh, dog on board and get everybody on board to set up a good potty regimen? I think it is setting up that routine. And routine is everything, especially for little ones. And don't rely on your puppy right from the start to tell you that it needs to go. But that's really not fair. You've got to be the one that sets up that routine. And it doesn't mean just when you take the dog out. It also means when you feed the dog as well. How much water are you going to give your pup? When are you feeding? What are you feeding? And also nap time. And you look at also the the times when the pup is most likely to go. So after waking from a nap, after eating, after vigorous play, after excitement. These are all the times, even with your schedule, but if that happens, and for example, your pup is playing, you, you know, it's not on the routine for or the schedule for your pup to go out for another hour after vigorous play, take your puppy out. 
because it's that those kind of activities will encourage your puppy to want to toilet more. Absolutely. And wouldn't you say a, a puppy, it really doesn't matter what size or breed, but uh, they have to go more often because they are they more do. active they do. and their bladders are smaller. Uh, yeah, they do. And, you know, and little dogs do as well. So if you just think, you know, and there's, there's a lot of research that's, that's coming out as well now that's saying that little dogs do have to toilet more than bigger dogs because the bladders are smaller and they fill up faster. And so they need to go to the toilet. Line. It's exactly like puppies. So get your puppy onto that schedule, that routine. And I think, again, don't just put your puppy in a crate and leave for six hours. Depending on your puppy's age, that's much too long. So if you are working and you do have a pup, make sure that you have somebody in the day coming to let your puppy out and so that you can keep to that routine. Absolutely. That's a great point. That was one of the things I was definitely going to ask you because, you know, especially in today's environment, you know, the kids are, uh, if you have kids at home, they're very active. There's there's so many activities going on uh, after school that you have to take them to and from those activities, as well as it's not uncommon for uh, if you've got two people in the household, for both of them to be working outside the household. Or at least, you know, the, the, the idea is even if you work from home, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you can work from home, you can let the puppy out whenever you want. Well, not necessarily so. If you're busy, working or on conference calls, these type of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, it's like a human baby. When you've got a little baby in the house, I mean, your time has got to be devoted to that child and the way you raise that child is going to determine that child's success. And of course, I know dogs are not like children, but a lot of the same uh, philosophies and methods and techniques that we use to raise children, we can also use to raise dogs. Absolutely. And just like with children, set them up for success early on, then chances of further success as you go down the road is going to be uh, much greater. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I talk a lot about in the book about resilience and how to build resilience in your pup so that your puppy can cope with all of the the crazy things that it's going to experience in its life living with humans, but also about giving your pup some choice as well. Because training seems to have gone in in a way where it seems like everything is controlled. You know, the dog has to sit and stay and come and call and do all of this stuff, which of course is important, but we mustn't forget that also giving a pup some kind of autonomy, some kind of choice in things can really help as well and increase confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that because, you know, and, and that's one of the things I'm sure you've run into quite a bit. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, when you hear the word dog training, oftentimes people believe, old school, we'll say, uh, that it is the sit, stays, lays, leave it, these type of things, which, like you said, are very important. But it goes much further than that, much deeper than that. And uh, the way you go about doing it and forming that relationship with your animal, with your dog in particular, is, is very important, especially in those early days. It is. And that's why we focus on bonding. I mean, you know, of course, teaching these life skills are important and, and that's what you should do. But there's nothing more important than playing with your puppy. That's a bonding activity that you can start right from the beginning. And you find out what kind of play your pup likes. Some puppies like to have sort of be close and play maybe tug of war or something like that. Or other puppies like to go fetch ball or, or, or something like that. I mean, it, you, you find your dog's style of play. And play is a wonderful bonding experience. Also taking your puppy out. Now that's the problem, obviously, because socialization is a very, very important for your dog. However, you know, you've got to be careful that you're going to keep your puppy safe. But if it's had one round of vaccinations and preferably two rounds of vaccinations, then there are ways you can expose your puppy to the outside world while still keeping your puppy safe, um, but allowing your pup to have all those, that all-important socialization experience. 
Absolutely. And getting them socialized to other dogs and to people and to the environment that's around them is very important. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of people don't think of that, but if you don't expose your puppy to a whole load of experiences and situations, I mean, you can surely cause your pup to be fearful. And the primary socialization window really lasts until about 16 weeks, depending on breeze. And so you really need to give your pup some good experiences around other dogs and all kinds of people and in different environments and situations. But at the same time, you can't overwhelm them. And I think that's what people think. Oh, my God, I've only got this amount of time. I've got to get to meet a thousand people and this and that and that. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. As long as you do slow, systematic, proactive socialization, we say, then, and you're smart about it and don't overwhelm, but still expose your pup to, to different situations that it might encounter in its life, then you're setting again, setting your pup up for success. And this is all about prevention. You know, I say to my trainers, because I, I have my academy now where I teach people to be trainers, um, the Victoria Still Academy, or we call it BSA. And um, we teach our, our students there that, yes, everybody wants to get on the, the behavior problems and how to deal with this and that, and reactivity and this and that. But I say the most important thing you are going to do in any dog's life is work with it when it's a puppy. If you have that chance to work with a puppy and you're, you're helping mold that puppy right from the word go, that's the most important thing that you can do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and I think the key thing behind that is that I see also is, you know, as you mentioned, it's more quality than quantity. Not determining, you know, I got to go out and meet every dog in the neighborhood, but when you're there and you have an opportunity to meet the other dogs, be in the moment, be with your dog, you know, do your, yeah. your techniques and your training. Too often, I, I see people skip that part of it, or they're so busy with other things or their minds elsewhere, maybe on their mobile devices, that even when they're supposed to be bonding and uh, working with that socialization, they're elsewhere. And if they're elsewhere, you're, guess what? Your puppy's going to be elsewhere also. Yeah, and you, you see that all the time in the dog park. Don't take your puppy to the dog park. Please, 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 please. I mean, it's just they're places of disease, and you don't know what other dogs are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And maybe when the dog's a bit older and a little bit more confident than potentially you can, but, but that's a perfect place where you see people on their, their cell phones when they should be watching what their dogs are doing. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk, you know, parks are a great place. I, I'm a, I totally agree with you. Dog parks, uh, the, you know, the enclosed things, you let them off leash and run. Too many diseases, too much unpredictability, too much chaos going on. But going to a park and walking in different directions, going to different parts of the park, going to different parks, you know, mentally stimulating your, your puppy as well as physically stimulating it and using that quiet time, if you can find a space in the world to do that, to just focus on you and the puppy and make sure you're, you're forming that great bond early on. Yeah, and just be aware, though, that when, if you take your puppy outside anywhere, that obviously it's safe with its vaccination, but that you you don't let your puppy off until you till you know that you've got a really good recall because because that's the number one thing you've got. I think that's the, the biggest safety skill that you can teach your puppy is to come when called. And of course, because it's a, it's a very curious, smelly, awesome world out there that, you know, you have to make sure that either your puppy is on the end of a six foot lead or you've got a long line so that your puppy can wander a little bit further away from you, but still be safe. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that's, I think as I get older, are we allowed to have more pet peeves in life? Because I'm definitely getting more yes. and more of them. We are. We are. <laughs> Good. Yay. Yeah, just, Thanks for giving me that yeah. permission. Because I'm de- yeah, definitely, I just definitely. I somebody there. today 
I just told somebody today, I saw their French bulldog, it was a beautiful dog. I thought, oh, that's a beautiful dog. And then it suddenly pooped, and then the person just walked on, and I was like, <sighs> so I, I stopped the car, and I went, uh, are you, uh, did your pup just poop? And he was like, yes, it, yes, yes. And I said, well, would you mind cleaning it up? Because there's kids that play there. And he said, well, I don't have a bag. I said, do you ever carry bags? And he said, no. And I went, well, here is one. And please carry a bag. You know, I just, people are, that's one of my pet peeves. That's one of my major pet peeves, especially when you live somewhere like the city where, where I live. Absolutely. Oh, that drives me crazy. You know, I, I always laugh. I'm going to throw my, uh, my French colleagues under the bus here. But um, spend a lot of time in, in France, especially in southern France. And it's not uncommon to see dog poo all over the uh, uh, sidewalks as you're walking down the, the, uh, <laughs> the sidewalks yeah, in France. Yeah, it's so and, bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's so gracious, <laughs> I think. Just pick up the poop. It, it's not that's, hard. That's it. it. That's right. I know, I know you put out the best perfume in the world, but but if you pick up the dog poo, maybe we won't need so much. But, you know, I think important yeah. when you talk about walking on lead, you know, not only is that critical as far as no matter what the size of your dog is and, and you have to start off early as a puppy. But, you know, even if you have the best recall and your puppy listens to everything you have to say, you have to be cognizant of your surroundings. And you may have another dog that is not comfortable with your dog or comfortable around dogs at all. You may have have a person that you're uh, walking by that's not comfortable. And without it being on a lead and having some control on your animal, your animal can end up getting hurt in that situation as well as the other dog or the other person. Yeah. You know what? It is amazing that there are people in this world that don't like dogs. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't like dogs, or but there are people that don't like dogs. There's lots of people that are legitimately scared of dogs. There are some dogs that are very social. There are some dogs that are very antisocial. My Chihuahua, she doesn't want to meet anybody. She doesn't want to meet any other dogs. My um, Shih Tzu now, she, she doesn't mind. She doesn't really care about greeting dogs or not. But, you know, you've really got to know your dog. And that's why I say be your dog's advocate right from the start. You can advocate your dog. You know your dog's unique learning style. You know your, what your dog likes and dislikes. And you understand what your dog's needs and wants are. You're going to have a successful relationship. Absolutely. And that's key. And just because uh, for those of you out there, just because your dog has a pretty good recall or you just think that they need freedom and you're letting them off leash, uh, you've got to be cognizant of the other dogs and the other people around because uh, it happens oh too often. I mean, I, I saw an encounter in our neighborhood. We live in a neighborhood that is you know, only 80 homes and has wonderful sidewalks and everything perfect. And for no good reason, one of the neighbors let the dog off the leash for even though they have perfect sidewalks to walk on when they're on lead. And uh, wouldn't you know it, a uh, deer popped up out of the woods and ran across the corner of the neighborhood. And guess what happened to the dog? Oh, yeah. The chase is on. The chase is on. So then it happens. It happens to us at the beach. My wife got a, a wonderful partial rotator cuff tear because we had our dog on a leash. And uh, somebody else didn't. And their dog came running right at us. We had no idea what the temperament mm -hmm. of that dog was. I did my best stop. And they eventually did, but not until our dog wrapped itself around the back part of my wife and poof, there she goes on the beach and a uh, nice rotator wow. cuff. Uh, uh, the human companion of the other dog goes, Oh, sorry. And, you know, and she had, by the way, she had her lead in her hand. So, right. <laughs> right. yeah, there you go. I mean, and people are, people are relatively clueless and I, and I think that's another pet peeve as well. I mean, you just, 
if you're going to let your dog off the lead, fine, if it's an area that you're allowed to, but make sure your dog's under control and just understand that not everybody is going to love your dogs and not, uh, and, and, some dogs just don't want to be around other dogs. It's the worst thing when a dog comes bounding up to you, even if it's to say hello, you know. And so, and that can be very scary, especially for, for my little chihuahua. She doesn't want that. So I just wish people would accept more responsibility. But it seems like a kind of a badge of honor if you're, oh, no, I, my dog's fine. Oh, my dog's friendly. Well, my dog isn't particularly <laughs> friendly. And oh, she's just scared because she's small and she gets trodden on my big dog. So I really don't want your dog over here. Please respect that. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Well, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. People people are funny with the way they raise their children. They're also funny with the way they raise their dogs. So. <laughs> Absolutely right. But if you start as a puppy and get them used to that lead, then you're in good shape. You know, at least from your standpoint, you have to still be concerned about everybody else. But at least your dog will learn early. They'll get comfortable with it. And you can take more places. And it's just uh, setting them up for that success you were talking about. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And, you know, the most important thing, if I say biggest piece of advice is just to have fun. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the experience. They are just, you know, we know that dogs are wonderful companions. And yes, it's a, it can be a challenge sometimes raising a puppy, but my gosh, you do it right, it's going to be worth it. Absolutely. And everybody loves a puppy, right? Yeah, they do. So, hey, it's a huge magnet, as it were. So, you know, I mean, dogs just make us more social. And that's a good thing. So just be prepared. I teach all my puppies rude human behavior, how to accept rude human behavior so that we train them to accept people coming up to them, leaning over them and petting them on top of the head. This is just absolutely normal because that's what they're going to encounter. And again, that's one of the, the first things I teach a puppy is, hey, how to tolerate and not fear a rude human greeting. Even though it's a human greeting and it's not rude to us, it can be particularly threatening to a dog. That's good advice. Good advice. Well, the latest book is called The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy, How to Train and Care for Your New Dog by Victoria Stilwell. Victoria, where can people find uh, the books available everywhere? I know that, but where can they find out more about uh, you, where you're going to be, if there's any signings or activities, and definitely follow uh, all your wonderful uh, projects you have going on. Yeah, I mean, you can uh, go to my website, which is positively.com. Um, we have also courses for dog owners that they want to know and learn a little bit more about their dog. You can do the starter course, which is free, um, or you can take our fundamentals course. And also, if you're interested in becoming a dog trainer, you can take a look at our dog trainer course, which is a six-month course. It's an amazing course as well. So, um, And all of these courses, whether you want to be a dog trainer or just a dog lover and want to know more about your dog or your puppy, you go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com. Um, my show, uh, I have a show as well called Dogs with Extraordinary Jobs, and which is airing in the UK right now on Channel 5, but um, we'll be on the Smithsonian Channel here in the United States next year. Fantastic. Always great stuff going on. Always active and definitely always a, uh, a champion for our furry friends out there. Oh, you know, well, hey, right back at you, Tim. I mean, we've both been at this for a very long time, and uh, we're both still in there. So I think it's a testament to our passion, really, isn't it, and our love for these incredible animals. Yeah, we've been doing it a long time, and we're still only 21, so I, I can't understand yeah, yeah. that new math, but there you go. <laughs> We started young. That's it. Started, started very young. young. That's it. That's it. So everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy, How to Train and Care for Your New Dog by Victoria Stilwell. Victoria, so wonderful talking to you. Thanks for coming back on the show. And 
we'll definitely keep track of all the wonderful stuff you've got going on and look to hear from you again real soon. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, or people you want to see on the show, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com and send us an email, and we'll definitely uh, entertain your comments, answer your questions, bring on the people you want to hear from most. And while you're there, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts. It's a whole plethora of great entertainment. It's PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a book, a blog, an article, or who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.